If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. This is another of our popular Listener's Choice interviews, which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the Listener's Choice winner. If you're not sure how the Listener's Choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today is Fiona Thelberg. Fiona's a show horse and dressage specialist, competitor, trainer and coach. She coaches riders, they're winning up to state titles and she's also competing at nationals and the Australian Show Horse Championships. As well as all that, Fiona's a dressage judge and runs a small adjustment yard in Cambridge and Tasmania. How are you, Fiona? I'm fine, thank you, Glenis. How are you? I'm good, good. Fiona, now your favourite quote, what have you got for us? Oh, basically, if I'm, when I'm teaching, it's no pain, no gain. Now, did someone tell you that? Yeah, I guess so, a long time ago. But it's normally when I have people that actually complain about something and I think, well, you've really got to do the hard yards. If you want to get somewhere, you've got to do the hard yards. And it does take a little bit of pain sometimes. Yes, yeah. It's just not easy. No. And, and you just can't do it easy. And that's why some people win and some don't. You know, otherwise everyone would be a Grand Prix rider. Like tomorrow, we'd all be Grand Prix riders tomorrow. Yeah. We'd all be winning gold at the Olympics tomorrow if it was easy, if everyone could do it, you know. But, (laughs) yeah, there's a little bit of work involved. Yep. Yeah. All right. Now, starting with horses. Do you have first memories of starting with horses? I do. I started when I was about three. Mum started taking us to a riding school. We, um, she and I started riding because she had immigrated from England out to Australia with my father and she'd ridden a donkey on the beach in England and she decided she wanted to ride. So we went to a riding school. She bought a horse off the track and I actually started riding lessons there and I can remember quite vividly the lessons. Okay. As a three-year-old. Yeah, what's something that you do remember? The pony that I rode was called Lindy, and we later bought her after she finished at the riding school. Yeah, yeah, good. Now, from riding Lindy, were you always going to have a career with horses, or what happened there? Just tell us a bit about that journey. I think we actually fell into it because after we'd been to the riding school, Mum and Dad decided to buy a property, and it was called Gillingbrook Riding School, and it actually started a lot of people riding from Tasmania years and years ago and those even people that have gone to the mainland started at Gillingbrook Mm -hmm. and we started there and I I was six when we bought that or mum and dad bought that and um, progressed and we had various instructors but the one that stood out the most was Captain Harry Sanner who mum and dad brought over to run the place when I was about 13. Is that George's father? That's right. Yeah, George started at Gillingbrook as well. So, and Rod Brown. Yeah, wow, wow. Pretty famous school then. You've, you've had some great riders through there. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
So formative years were actually jumping mainly because that's what they did. Okay. Now, if someone wants to start, so you say you sort of fell into it because your parents had it, but if someone wanted to start a career with horses, what are the core skills or character traits that someone needs? Look, you have to be dedicated. I always say if a parent comes to me and they've got a child that's really dedicated or really wants to do it, I say send them to a riding school for a year at least. Mm-hmm. Get them to pick up the poop. They've got to pick mm-hmm. up the manure. They've got to feed. They've got to muck out. They've got to rug. They've got to do it in all kinds of weather. Yep. Otherwise, yep. don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I suppose that sorts out those who will make it in the industry or those who just have it as a dream but aren't quite ready for it yeah that's right that's right that's good good work experience for them you know and for a year well it is it is and then and you can you really find you can find the dedicated ones Mm. and the ones that you have um particularly at our place here if you ask them to do something and they do it willingly you know oh yeah that's great if they're a little bit begrudging and you go okay you know we won't ask you again because you're not that interested Mm. And it does sort people out, you know, it does sort them out and and gives them the opportunity to decide for themselves if that's what they want to do or not. Yes, exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. What do you think, this is for those who have chosen it, but what do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry? Look, I think every day you go out, you learn something new because your horses are your teachers, basically. So you learn something new every day you get out there with them. And I just think it's the, um, I don't know, it's just something that you you either have or you haven't, and it's something you love or you don't. Mm-hmm. And you get out there amongst it and you go, okay, well, I've got to feed this horse, I've got to look after it, and I want it to look the best or to perform the best. So I'm going to put all my effort into it. Yep, yep, yep. You know, I think it's, and it is hard, and I, particularly also if you're married, you've got to have someone who's fairly understanding. Yes, definitely, definitely. And I think that needs to be decided sort of fairly early in the relationship, doesn't it? Definitely, yes. Yes. Okay, now I'm sure that Captain Santa would have had a huge influence on you. Has there been anyone else? He was great because when he taught, I was a bit of a nervous show jumper, hence Mm -hmm. I quit but when he taught you you felt like you could just jump anything he gave you that much confidence to do it he just made it easy but look there's been a lot of people along the way but I do have um, regular help with Roger Fitzharding when he comes over yes to Tasmania to teach Um, he's been very good and he's one of those people that basically you can do it and do it Mm -hmm. and I like that approach you know yes you can do it do it basically. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, he's got to have a good judge. You know, he, he is a good judge anyway of what yeah. you're you're capable of doing and what the horse is capable of doing. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And you've got to have someone that will say to you, yes, your horse can do this or no, the confirmation's not right to do it. Mm, mm. You know, if you've got someone who's honest enough with you too to say that, it's another boost as well. Yep, yep. Okay, now what about horses who've influenced you? Have you got a particular horse or have there been a few who've influenced yeah, you? definitely. The one that taught me the most, I was 15 and his name was Debenham. He actually came from Victoria at the time and I can remember riding him back from the lesson with Captain Sanna 
these horses came up behind him. He shot forward. He bucked. I fell off, <laughs> and I thought I'm never get back, getting back on that horse again. It took me four months of young Harry Sanner lunging me <laughs> and him riding the horse in between time before I would get back on it. And I'd lunged, got lunged on him. Then I got off the lunge. And I think, without word of a lie, we used to have a group lesson every week with Captain Sanna in the indoor arena. It was a 20 by 40. There'd be anywhere from six to ten horses in there, so I can imagine it. And every time a horse came towards him, he would spin, buck, and I'd fall off every time <laughs> for about a year. Mm-hmm. And in the end, I ended up staying on that horse, I thought, because my mother said to me, if you don't ride this horse, I'm going to sell everything. Oh, and okay. so that's the catalyst. I had to ride this horse, <laughs> whether I liked it or not. Yep. And um, I did. And I ended up doing a lot of show jumping with him and eventing, and I actually won a couple of champion um, junior show jumpers. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was one of those horses that taught me heaps. Yeah. Taught me how yeah, to stay yeah. on anyway. Yes, yes, and it could have gone either way, you know, at that stage. But I think the fact that your mother made that threat and you thought, no, this is too important to me to um, yeah. to just give up. And also, too, uh, you know, I'm just thinking if Captain Santa lunged you on the horse or organised for you to be lunged on the horse for quite a period of time, he was sort of building you up a step at a time, you know. He wasn't just putting you straight back on the horse to be bucked off again, but he was building up your confidence just with those lunging skills. Yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. Mm. And it was really good. I was, you know, really indebted to him. And after that, when we competed, it was really, really good. Good. But I did get some really bad dressage scores on him, and <laughs> that's when I decided I needed to do something about the dressage mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, started on that. And then I ended up at another horse, a, a horse that I was loaned. I rode, and Rod Brown helped me a lot with that horse. He was very, very good to me, Rod. Yep. And he taught me a lot with this Galloway, and that's when I started the showing. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. that horse got reserve champion Galloway at Launceston Royal. Okay. What was his name? Her name was Seadrift. Okay. Lovely mare, and she didn't belong to me. I entered her for Melbourne Royal, but the owners decided they didn't want to send, take her over on the, the boat. Mm. So we had to scratch her. Then somebody else came along and the horse was taken off me. So I don't know what happened, but the horse was taken off me and this other person rode her. And unfortunately, the horse ended up dying of tetanus in their paddock. Oh, no, what a shame. Upset about that. Mm. Very upset about that. But um, that's life. Yes. Yes, and, 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 you know, it just goes to show how important those vaccinations are. Yeah. You know, they can be easily overlooked. Yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. And just one tiny little nick or a cut that you may not even notice, you know, for the tetanus to get in, but what disastrous effects. Now, just going back to Sea Drift, though, you know, you won Reserve Champion Galloway at, at Hobart Royal. Yeah, no, Launceston. Was that your yeah. proudest moment? Oh, Launceston, wasn't it? Was that your proudest moment? Um, it was one of them, but I think really, I think with Debonair winning champion junior jumper at Brighton Show, Brighton Agricultural Show, mm-hmm. be, because that was such an achievement from going yes. from falling off the yes. whole year yeah. to actually winning. That was one of my proudest moments, I think, saying that I could actually do that yep. and achieve something. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think it was you know, just kept me going. It was good. really good. Good, good. 
What about other challenges? What do you think has been challenging along the way to slow you down? And it's for a lesson. You know, it's for a lesson. What can someone else learn from that challenge that you've had? Oh, my gosh. I've had, I think I had about 10 years of unsound and insane horses. And what I'm saying is that I had horses that I'd bought and for some reason they went unsound. And I'd keep going, and my farrier, who I've still got now, would say, now what have you got? He'd say, I said, come and have a look at this horse. And he'd look at it and go, that's not right, Fiona. <laughs> and I said, I know it's not right. Which leg? I'm very good at picking a lameness, but sometimes I can't pick the leg. Mm-hmm. So it was bad. Or I'd have to get, because I never had a lot of money to mm-hmm. keep my horses coming through, I'd have to get the horses off the track. Mm-hmm. So you'd get them up to a certain standard. I'd always get something. I'd always try and get something that was pretty good looking. So if it didn't work out for dressage, it would be okay to be sold on um, either as a show jumper or yep. a show horse. So yep. I trained them up and sell them on. And I think at one stage I was trying to add up how many horses I'd <laughs> trained in my life, and it was getting up to about over seventy. So okay, okay. I think it's just. Yeah, that was that was one of the worst times of my life. But I think it, it comes in troughs, you know. You go along and you go really well and you go up there and, as they say, you're a rooster one day and a feather duster the next. So horses certainly can take you up there, but they can certainly bring you back down again too. So you never, you know, get too big-headed about things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that the lesson for the listeners, you know, that, that if you are going really well, just, um, yeah, horses are great levelers. Yeah, it's easy to get up there, but it's harder to stay there. Yes, yes, okay. At the top. Yep. You know, yep. you've got to really put the hard yards in and you've really got to have the horses and mm. you've got to have horses still coming through. So thinking about you as a coach, because you've got, you know, you're bringing on quite a few riders and with their horses, what's a common fault that you see? You know, that they want to go out and they're sort of, that's holding them back from doing well at competitions. Oh, gosh, a lot of people get the wrong horses. You know, they mm-hmm. just sold something and someone says, oh, it's good at this or it's good at that. And then, you know, it's not a good match. Yep. And I guess it comes down to money as well with a lot of people. You know, you've got parents out there buying horses and they've also got a family to support. So they've got to think of their money mm. as far as that goes. So if they want to buy that type of horse, it's not quite suitable, then they do have to spend the money on the lessons. Otherwise they're not going to get anywhere. It's just going to be a disaster all the way through. Yeah, and it's hard, isn't it? You know, you've got to spend the money on the lessons, but you've got to have the money to spend it on the lessons. What sort of things do you recommend, you know, for people that can't afford as many lessons as what they should probably be getting? What can they do in between their lessons to get the best value out of lessons? I think visualisation is a really good tool. Mm-hmm. If someone can, you know, if they're happy to, to get onto YouTube or something like that and actually watch videos of people that are very good riders, if they can visualise riding really nicely, like I'm just taking an example here. If you see a Charlotte Dujardin ride mm-hmm. and you say, okay, I'm going to watch her and that's who I'm going to follow. That's who I'm going to ride like or that's who I want to ride like. And visualise looking like her on a horse it actually does work and that's what I tell my people visualize if you're going to do something visualize doing your dressage test perfectly 
visualise doing your show jump round perfectly. Don't put in the what ifs and don't put the negatives in. Just visualise it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it actually comes back into the subconscious when they go out to ride or go out to compete. The other thing too, when I get the nervous people, I tell them to practice breathing. Yep. And breathing right down to the base of their stomach, mm-hmm. not just to the rib cage, right down to the base of the stomach. And just to have a practice of doing that. If all they did was walk and breathe for 10 to 15 minutes on their horse when they don't have a lesson, mm-hmm. that would be fantastic. Okay. And even if they only got on their horse and walked, yep. that's enough just to keep going, ticking over until they come to the next lesson. Yes, yes. No, that's good, good. Okay, now what about a book, Fiona? Have you got a book that you could recommend for people? You know, something that's going to complement their training? Gosh, I'm not, I tell you what, I'm not really big on books. Mm-hmm. The only ones I have read are the ones where there's a bit of a story to it. And <laughs> okay. I really was impressed with Gillian Rolton's book. Oh, yes, yes. I really like that book. And I think there's so many books out there. and. What they say in the book is never how you get out there and say, well, my horse doesn't do that. And Mm. if I'm doing what they say, I'm still not doing it right because you've got to have those eyes on the ground. Mm. Mm. Do you remember the name of that book, the Gillian Rotten book? Gosh, um, I can't remember it. It was one that she wrote after the Olympics with Pediment Grove. Yeah, look, I remember the book because I had a student here who – you know, English is a second language and his yep. English was not particularly good when he arrived. You know, it's certainly better now and it's it's much, much better now. That was the first yep. book he read in English, you know, because... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, he, he sort of had started. But, of course, he, you know, he wanted something that was going to inspire him a bit. I think it was really good. I told Gillian too, you know, and, and said that was the yep. first book. She was really chuffed that, that it was his first book that he read. So what were you saying about, yeah, visualisation? I think visualisation, if you can see how it's done, say, for instance, if you want to ride a shoulder in, yes, you can look at a picture of it and that's fine, you can do that. But if you get someone with a video there for YouTube and you, okay, you type in shoulder in yep. and you get horse doing a correct shoulder in then an incorrect shoulder in, and the same with Traver or whatever, mm, so mm. that you actually can see it and you have it in your mind. Yes. Not yes. so you go, oh, yes, and put the inside leg on the girth, the outside leg behind the girth, and you do this and you do that and you flex this way and you flex, you know. you That's all very well because – but some people get their rights and lefts muddled up. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they go inside, outside, you know. But And if they can see it, and I often say, look, just have a look at it in film – have a look at such and such doing it and go from there mm-hmm. and then come back and practice at the walk. Yeah. Start from yeah. the walk. If you have problems at any other gate, come back to the walk. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Now, what are you looking forward to at the moment, Fiona? You've got your property you're selling. Your daughter's just come back from Germany. Yes. Yeah, look, we're excited but sort of it's sort of a bit daunting as to where we're going to go. Mm. We've sold the place. The property we've got at the moment has a right-of-way that runs through it, which is a real pain in the neck. And it's actually been bought by developers, so it's pretty close to town. We've decided we want a little bit more of a simpler lifestyle or a bit quieter lifestyle. And we're heading out probably a little bit, but not too far away from here, probably within 20 minutes of here. And 
looking to set up the same sort of stuff but a bit more simplified if we can do it mm-hmm. and looking forward to that. And I would prefer different paddocks. At the mm-hmm. moment here, it's a little bit sprawled out. The paddocks are too – some paddocks are too large, some paddocks are too small, et cetera, et cetera. So I just want to make it a bit different yep. than it is yep. now. Yep. But we're looking forward to that. And my daughter, she's um, just come back from Germany. She's been over with Warwick McLean mm-hmm. and learning – and she has learned so much. She was that's another thing with visualization. She came back and she said, Oh Mum, I learned so much watching mm. them ride over there. Yep. And she came back and she's so much better rider and so much more patience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a very big learning curve for her. So she spent eight weeks there and she'd like to go back again at the end of the year for a month. So yep. hopefully she can maintain it. Yep. Good. Good. All right, Fiona. In a few sentences, can you summarise your philosophy with horses? Look, I think that uh, I probably said it, horses are a great leveller and I find it really exciting to go out there and work with them every day Mm -hmm. and train them. I love the training and I think you can never learn everything. You go out there every day and you get as much knowledge as you can from that horse and that horse will teach you and you go on and you go step by step further and further. And if you can get someone who's a good coach with eyes on the ground, you can learn so much and it is just fantastic. It's just over- overwhelming to get out there and to get a really good ride on your horse and you go, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is fantastic. Yep. Yep. That's good. Okay, Fiona, how can people contact you? Uh, my, by mobile or mm-hmm. email. Yep. Yep. So 0409. Nine seven eight nine zero four, and email is Fiona dot Felberg, F E H L B E R G, the number six at bigpond dot com, okay. and via Facebook. Facebook, okay. Now Facebook, Fiona Felberg. Yeah, just Fiona Felberg. Yep. Brilliant. Brilliant. And I've got a, a webpage at Cambridge Equestrian okay. as well. All right, that's good, Fiona. I've enjoyed talking to you. I, I sort of half expected you to say, you know, about your property, but that's good about taking down fences. It's almost like you can get a bulldozer in and redo it, but you're not because you're selling that and then you're moving on and you can say, right, I'm yeah. starting from scratch. So, you know, just being able to do that itself is is a bit exciting. Yeah, set yeah. it out. Set it out the way we want it. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. and rather because the property that was here, my father, um, started and the pad huge, so it was all different. Thirty years, forty years ago, so sure, yeah, sure. We're just wanting right. a fresh start and see how we go right from there. Okay, thanks, Fiona. It's been great talking to you, and uh, hopefully, we'll catch up again sometime soon. Terrific. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 